Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them the tools to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today, we're really going to focus on the how to make yourself successful portion of you know what we talk about, and, and really focus a lot on tips and techniques for job seekers and we're going to have a great time doing that because I have a fabulous speaker on board today so please join me in welcoming Sasha Lago to the program. Good morning Deb thank you for having me. Well you know this is going to be so inspirational informative all of those those cool words because I think you know a lot of what we're going to talk about is going to apply to anybody, whether they're looking for a job or you know wanting to expand their business or you know anything, all of the above, all those things. Because a lot of it is about self-esteem, about promoting yourself, all of those various things. Yes, and that most of that is discussed in my book, Cash and Karma. Right, right. It- well, before we jump in to talk about it, let me sure. tell folks just a little bit about you. Um, so Sasha Lago brings over 15 years of experience to the commercial and spiritual realm by working with private and commercial clients, hosting diverse backgrounds and life endeavors. As a seasoned MBA professional, she specializes in organizational and human behavior, which grants her a broad base from which to approach many topics. These tools drive her corporate career by executing diverse business strategies in complex and evolving environments. As a life strategies and business coach, Sasha works with clients ready to transform their lives by offering customized sessions relevant to their needs. Okay, now we know that you're the expert. Let's let's just jump right in and talk about your book, Cashing Karma. So first, that's an unusual title. So how did you come up with that, and why did you decide to write the book? Well, it has a K theme because of karma. Mm-hmm. I am a true believer of karma, regardless mm-hmm. of whether it's in our career or living life, that what we put out there eventually will come back full right. circle. So you want to put in the effort, have good intentions, but not only good intentions, but follow through with good actions. Mm-hmm. And with the cashing part, I wanted to refrain from using the C because people typically, when they think of cash, C-A, S-H, mm-hmm. it's about money and tangible material wealth. And here we're cashing our karma overall in our life. So whether you're going out there to seek a new relationship, whether it's love, you're ready to get married, you want to buy a house, you want to move, you want a new job, how are you going to go about attracting the right opportunities? But also in order to attract the right opportunities and have them around us, we also have to do our inner work. Because I feel in society, the times that we live in, everyone is looking outside to for the answer. And mm-hmm. they always look at it as, oh, the, they don't have the right job. I don't like my boss. Uh, they don't recognize my work. When will I get my promotion? Maybe we also have to shift and adjust our mindset and attitude in order to embrace what is in front of us to get to where we want to be. Right. You know, and, and I love that your book is about karma. And, and it's about karma in a good way, um, you know, because we tend to think of karma as, you know, karma is a bitch, you know, and, and it will come back and it will bite you. You know, you've done something bad or wrong or evil and you know what, you'll get yours. This is the exact opposite of that. And that's really what I love about your book. Thank you for pointing that out. That is true that typically when we talk about karma, we say, wait till they get their karma, or Mm -hmm. I wish I get to see their karma. Uh And even though we could share a laugh over it, the whole tone of the book is to be positive, to Mm -hmm. be focused, and to attract abundance. But when people think of abundance, they usually think of wealth in a form of materialism before they think about happiness, health, Mm -hmm. and all of them are tied in. You can't have one without the other right? because our state of our mind is usually reflected in how we appear physically, not in terms of beauty, but does she look healthy? Does she look stressed? What's going on? And we want to balance out our karma by having a perspective, not only in our own life, but also a perspective on what are we seeking? Do we need it or do we want it? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and, and 
you know, the, the book is, it actually has a longer title. It is, you know, the, the 99 tips for successful job hunting and going from jobless to abundance. And, you know, and I love those kind of subtitles because 99 tips, it was, you know, it, it is a fast read, you know, but every single one of those tips, and I'll be honest, every one of them, I thought, in a good way, you know, and, and some of it was reinforcing what I was already doing. And, and again, it's not just job hunting. It's, you know, maybe you're looking for new clients for your business. You know, all of these things, it, it all ties together. Um, but, you know, it, it was it was quick. It was fast. And when you talk about going from jobless to abundance, you're really not talking just about I'm getting a bigger paycheck or a better paycheck or better benefits. It's abundance in your life. Yes, because typically when uh, I cross paths with people, and this used to also happen in my uh, personal uh, social circle, that people want a better job, they want more pay. And I've noticed from observation, and I will confess I've been there, done that, and have also made mistakes along the way, that people typically think if I have a bigger paycheck, some of my problems and dilemmas will go away. But if they don't know how to live within their means right now, how are they going to be able to handle more abundance that may right. come in the form of materialism? They're just mm -hmm. going to keep on accumulating more bills in proportion to what they earn. Mm -hmm. And I'm not there to dictate people's finances or how they should spend money to each their own. That's where accountability comes in. The one thing that the book does not take away from any reader out there is the power of free will and accountability. Mm -hmm. Right. And people need to know how they can continue refining their choices along the path. What was what will not work for you, you may need to walk away from it and embrace new ways of going about that. But mm -hmm. unfortunately there are a group of people who want that promotion. They do work hard but they may not work smart. Mm -hmm. They just view it as from a form of desperation, I have new bills coming up so I need more money. Mm -hmm. Everybody in line who may be looking for a job or looking for a promotion could make that statement. And if you're an employer, they would say, well, we also have bills to pay. So that's not a good uh, argument that you have more bills to pay. So you should be granted more money. You mm -hmm. have to earn it. So you have to find ways to prove that you bring value to the table right. and you're indispensable. And then they could work with you and find new ways to maybe uh, dress your role better, Mm -hmm. and give you new responsibilities. But the whole thing is about earning. What you put in is what you get out. But if you go out of your home acting like you're entitled to everything, then that you're, you're going to run into problems, my friend. Mm -hmm. Right, right. You know, and it's funny because one of the things I've, I've interviewed someone recently who um, is a millennial and she is a marketing expert for millennials. And so we were laughing about the fact that we tend, we, as in, you know, I'm a baby boomer, you know, we, we look at millennials as being kind of that entitled generation, you know, and, and they think they deserve more and, and all of these things. And, and so it was really fascinating to talk with her because she said, you know, and, and I don't have children. So, you know, that was part of why it was very cool to talk with her because she was enlightening me. She said, well, her thought process was that, you know, being raised by baby boomers, they were given more because, you know, as baby boomers, we weren't given things. And so when we had kids, we went, oh, you know, I want to make things easier for my children. I want to give them things that I wasn't given. We weren't doing that in bad ways. We were just, you know, wanting to make them happy. Hello, that's what good parents do. Um, but I think we do have a lot of misperceptions that they do feel entitled and you know what? There's people who feel entitled in every generation. It's not, you know, not just millennials. But, you know, she's, she's, and, and, you know, she also said that she also was raised, and she thinks more than most generations, and you know what? I think I kind of agree with this, that they also absolutely have to give back. And, you know, and, and so that for her was kind of her karma that, you know, it was great for her to go out, for her to make money, for her to do all those things. But it was just as important to her that she in some way was giving back. Absolutely. Part of my work ties into the whole concept of pay it forward. Mm -hmm. So don't only take, 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 take what you need at the moment and then 
empower yourself to get to where you want to be. But in the process, that journey, feel free to pay it forward to help mm-hmm. other people out. Sometimes it could be by lending an ear. Other time it could be a small donation or teaching someone a skill that will teach them how to go fishing than just giving them the fish for that one mm-hmm. day. Right. And I remember while growing up, my mom would always say, you don't have to wait till you make it to a certain milestone in order to start helping other people out. Even $5 could go a long way for somebody because right. today we take a lot of things for granted, for example, technology. Mm-hmm. And as you shared in your example, how you help other people out with job hunting, they may need uh, they may need access to technology and they mm-hmm. don't have it 24-7 like some of us do because due to the nature of our work. Mm-hmm. And we have to learn how to be resourceful because imagine if the internet went out for a day. I'm oh sure the majority of people would lose their mind. Yeah. Well, if I don't have my phone, I'm like, oh, 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 the world will stop. I know it will. <laughs> and in Cashing Karma, what I do is that I just break down some of the tips and it's important for people to read the forward because mm-hmm. if they're going to read some of the tips, they're going to say, well, I really know this. Then mm-hmm. how come you don't apply it? Some of it is reinforcement. Some of it is stuff that I've learned through trial and error. And mm-hmm. other is guidance given to me from whether they were job agents or people that I worked for. Mm-hmm. And it worked because there are so many books out there on job tips. And why is this one any different? And I don't blame anyone for having that rhetorical question, but I address it more from a self-development and spiritual perspective. And I do take into consideration that you need a paycheck, you need a job, but you also want a promotion and you want a healthy lifestyle. You don't Mm -hmm. want to be anchored down to that paycheck. Sometimes it's a matter of you want all of these material things and as long as you work hard for it, no one should knock you down for it. But are you owning that house or is that house owning you? Right. And bringing out all of the emotions and desperations that now you're running this marathon mm-hmm. and you feel as, uh, will I ever finish it? Because you're constantly chasing the money. So mm-hmm. it's a bit of taking a step back. What do you really want and why do you want it? Mm-hmm. Well, and that, you know, that really is one of the the first things that you talk about is, you know, why? Why are you doing this? Why do you want that promotion? Why do you want that job? And, you know, and, and, you know, so many times we go into it with the wrong perspective. You know, we want it because it will make us feel better because the promotion, you know, I want to be called vice president, you know, all of these various things. And we never look at the simple thing of, will it make us happy? You know, and, and, okay, we're not Pollyanna. No job <laughs> ever makes us 100% happy. I mean, you know, that's just, even if you own your own business or, you know, all those things, that's just not going to happen. I mean, you know, I, there are things about my business I don't like doing. Um, I outsource them if possible. But, you know, there, you know, or, you know, if you're an employee, you might not like this or you might not like that. And, but, you know, on a whole, Hopefully things are, are there, but, you know, we shouldn't be thinking about it just for the paycheck or just for that promotion or whatever it is. And you really do talk in your book about realizing that, you know, thinking deep down in your, your soul, why, you know, what, what about this is the, the ultimate goal? Yes, and I also share experiences from I've been a temp to hire, I've been a consultant, I've been a contractor, I've been an employee, and there have been times where I ended up being a temp and they were just trying phases along Mm -hmm. early on in my career path where Mm -hmm. uh, beggars shouldn't be choosers. There have been times where I've had several options and it's great to have options because it Mm -hmm. gives you power, but there have also going to be times in life where you don't have options and you have to look at what is in front of you, what's mm-hmm. being served, and don't order something that's not on the menu yet. Right. And I've ended up opportunities in many different ways. I've gone through job agencies. I've gone through, I've, I've met people at a coffee shop, just struck up a conversation where they approached me and I found out, here's my business card, call me, I need help. And mm-hmm. it served its purpose at that moment in time. I've ended up at a job interview where the employer forgot to call me and say they hired somebody. Oh. And I was walking out of that conference room 
And right there, an executive stopped me, and he said, um, I haven't seen you before. What are you here for? And I said, I just showed up for a job interview to find out the role was filled. And he said, mm-hmm. actually, I'm hiring for my company. Can ah. you come back tomorrow, and I'll mm-hmm. interview you? And actually, I ended up getting that opportunity. So you it. never know mm-hmm. where that, whatever may sound as a you know, not the greatest outcome, a blessing in disguise may Mm -hmm. come out of it. And always remain open-minded. And I know that the mindset, you have to train it because when you're going through those periods of uncertainty and anxiety and where will my next opportunity come from, uh, all of a sudden you get so uh, caught up in your own little world that you forget that there's a world outside of you that could Mm -hmm. help you, but you have to make yourself known. So how do you make yourself known that you exist? And I tell people that apply for jobs every day if you can. Mm-hmm. And usually three to four days out of the week, you will come across leads and mm-hmm. apply. And don't just wait for one day during the week to do it. Because for those who are working and they want a new job, job hunting is a job itself. Right. Right. You know, and, and you know, you, you talk about doing several a day and in your book you point out, okay, you know, that that's kind of an average. You know, one day you might not apply for any and the next day you'll apply for five. But, you know, it, it is something that it is, it's very difficult when you're looking for a job. And of course, it's really difficult when you're currently employed and so you're having to do it at weird times and, you know, all those various things. But, you know, it, jobs almost always aren't going to find you. You have to work at it, um, you know, and, and really think about what you're doing. And, 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 you know, we say, you know, apply for several jobs a day, still be strategic about it. You know, don't apply for yes. job, jobs just to hit the number. <laughs> right. And that's the thing. Are you, I talk about, are you applying because of the title? Are you pay, uh, applying because of the pay? Mm-hmm. What are the variables that attract your attention to that job classified? Because if mm-hmm. you only apply for the money, remember, you might end up making the money if you get the job, but you're not going to be exactly happy. Mm-hmm. Money does not always equate to happiness. So there mm-hmm. has to be a perspective. Are you looking for the right boss, the right personality? Uh, what purpose will this new opportunity serve? Mm-hmm. Because, for example, in my early 20s, I was already working by the time I got through high school and through college. So my transition into, quote unquote, the real world was not harsh at all. I was already working corporate opportunities. Mm-hmm. but. After college, I realized really fast in the five years following it, I used to outgrow my opportunities really fast. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, I'm falling into a pattern, and I don't want to follow this pattern until the end of time. I have to be more strategic about opportunities. It was either I was getting hired for opportunities that I was overqualified, or I wasn't feeling challenged. Mm -hmm. And it went a little bit beyond the money that I think until I started also incorporating spirituality in my life and dispensing those services, I was able to focus my extra energies in a positive way so I could do better overall in my life. Mm-hmm. When I often talk, when I often hear people talk about I'm looking for a new job, they usually reference the present. They're not talking about what they want later in time, which is right. fine because bills are due today, mm-hmm. not 10 mm-hmm. years from now. But I also want them to look at the bigger picture or else they're never going to get off that uh, train of thought where they're going to be thinking about survival day to day. I want mm-hmm. them to get to a point where they're comfortable and they have enough power to step back, to accelerate when they need to, and to break when they don't want to participate. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and it is difficult. You know, m- most of the time we don't have the leisure of, you know, taking our time to look for jobs and, and you know, some things like that. But there are times where it's absolute a desperation. Yes. You know, I, I work with folks, I do uh, training for people who are very close to being homeless, um, you know, if they're not homeless and, you know, and, and who really are thinking, oh my gosh, I have to take whatever comes my way. We understand that. I mean, they really do have to eat. They have bills to pay. But how do you work, you know, this I have to have a job into still trying to make sure that it's the right job. I will say, you you know, maybe right. 
Well, that's a tricky situation because when I used to do one of my earlier shows and people would call in with questions, even though it was spiritually focused, there would be times, and I will confess this, that people would call asking about when will I get my next job. Mm -hmm. And in some of those situations, I just intuitively knew that they were not employable because they had engaged in behaviors that led to the demise of their job. Right. What do you do about those that are uh, unemployable or they may bring more challenges to the workplace than solutions? Mm -hmm. So let's focus on the ones that are just desperate, but um, there aren't enough jobs in their area geographically right. or they're not paying enough. Sometimes, if, let's say if you happen to be a white-collar worker and mm -hmm. you're hit with, um, you're down on your luck, you may have to entertain blue-collar jobs. Mm -hmm. Blue-collar jobs are just as empowering as white-collar jobs. It mm -hmm. just demands different types of skill sets and strengths. Right. You might end up doing a job that's more uh, that emphasizes more physical labor at that moment in time. Mm -hmm. And if you do have your health, I would say to take advantage of it because at that moment in time, a paycheck is a paycheck. I've also crossed paths with few people in the recent years, not too many, where there are jobs, they're not jobs that they want and not jobs that they like, but they're passing up that paycheck and they are in good health, they are mm -hmm. of sound mind, but this is below me. And that's mm -hmm. where the mindset and the attitude will need a little bit of adjustment. Do you want right. to put food in your child's mouth or are you mm -hmm. going to let ego get in your way? Because right. in life, even as you mentioned, whether we work for ourselves or other people, no job is 100% ideal mm -hmm. and idyllic. There's always going to be something that we have to do that we don't like, but ultimately it's part of a bigger picture. So mm -hmm. not to get too emotional about it. Mm -hmm. uh, there have been people I've helped acquire part-time jobs just to get them started. And these were the same people who would complain about, I need to pay my bill, I need to pay my bill, or I'm going to lose my car. They mm -hmm. got the job, and now they're complaining they don't like the job. And I had to remind one lady that, remember when you were complaining that you were going to lose your car? Now you're complaining that you don't like your job. And if you're going to continue that tone, you may be out of that job in a week from now. Be careful right. what you put out to the universe. Yeah, careful and what I've you learned wish that for. Because you never know. God might be just sitting on our shoulder and listening, saying, okay, if she's not happy with this, let mm -hmm. me pull that out of her path. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that is something that's so important is, you know, be grateful for what you have at that point in time. And, you know, maybe that job isn't spiritually, emotionally, you know, whatever, fulfilling. Well, volunteer. You know, there there's other things that you can maybe consider doing to to do that. You know, and and you know, so maybe you you uh, to your example, you're the white collar person who had to take a blue collar job. Okay, you know, so you're you're out there, you're being you know, and and we love blue collar jobs because of course yes. the world wouldn't function without them. So maybe you've had to to work part, you know, as as take a job as say a landscaper. Not really what you want to be doing, but it's paying the bills, so you're doing it. Okay, you're out in the beautiful sun every day. You're getting all that fresh air, you know, and, and okay, you know, that, that gets a little fluffy and, you know, all those various things. But, you know, maybe what you should also do is volunteer in a place where you're going to make connections that might put you back into that white collar job that you want, um, you know, or, you know, maybe you've got hours that are more flexible so you can spend more time with your children you know there's there's lots of different ways to be thinking about this other than just oh my gosh i had to take this job and i hate it yes and you never know who you're going to meet through that opportunity and to view it as a small blessing at, at a time because mm -hmm. i can understand that it's more of an emotional journey for mm -hmm. them to wrap their head around how did I go from having that job to I'm working here and people mm -hmm. are looking at me. And sometimes we end up being more critical of ourselves oh, yeah. than people around us because they don't know our story. You could just come up with any story and bide yourself time. I mean, I've worked opportunities in my past where people got to know me a little bit without knowing anything about my credentials. And they would mm -hmm. wonder, well, you could be owning this place. Or you could be running this place. Why mm -hmm. are you working among us? And you just smile and, and go about minding your own business. Mm -hmm. uh, there are, I will say, it's a very humbling experience. And when I share these tips, 
I let people know that I don't come, I, my upbringing was a middle-class family. I've seen mm-hmm. money come, money go. I've seen many dynamic environments surrounding me. And it is a humbling experience because I did not grow up with a sil- silver spoon in my mouth. Mm-hmm. So in order to get my wants met, I started working at a very young age. Mm-hmm. And I look back, I don't, I don't regret it because it's made me who I am. Right. But in the process, I could help other people out. Mm-hmm. Now, the challenging part is that when people want new opportunities, whether it's a job or they want to to start their own business, whatever goal it may be, sometimes it's not that the opportunities are not there, but they need to do their inner work, mm-hmm. have the right mindset, ha- have the right attitude, because a really bad attitude or mindset could really sabotage your own success, no matter mm-hmm. how old you are, where you are, or what you do for a living. Right. You know, and, and we've, we've all seen that where there's been an interview and you knew that person really didn't want the job, you know, and, and so they, they give flip answers. It, maybe it shows in their body language, all these various things. And then it's always really funny because afterwards they're annoyed when they don't get the job or they don't at least get an offer. And it's like, really? We could tell you didn't want to be here. Yes. Some people can interview well. Mm-hmm. But their presentation will be off. And then there are some people who are a bit rusty with interviewing because either they didn't have a need to interview or if all of a sudden they're out back in the job market after mm-hmm. 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And some things can be refined, but still the energy speaks louder. Mm-hmm. So you have to be present in the moment. And if you really don't want their, that job, then... I mean, still go to the interview. It might serve as a good learning right. experience. It's always good to learn. Mm-hmm. But don't trash any opportunity because you never know that one step could lead to another right. step. And as I've shared on a few occasions with my audience that, thank God I was smart enough to walk through any door that opened at that mm-hmm. moment in time. Because sometimes we might be waiting and knocking on that door for a long time mm-hmm. and thinking nobody cares, but it's not about that. It's if you really care about yourself, just take the opportunity that is given to you at that moment in time, mm-hmm. which you need and mm-hmm. allow yourself to grow from it. Right. You know, and, and, and you never know what might be around that corner. You know, you might have decided, yeah, that position really isn't what you want to do. But it could be that they have something else at the company or, you know, uh, there's there's a variety. Maybe they'll remember you later. You know, so it is something to always, you know, no matter what, put your best foot forward. And, you know, even if you don't want it. Um, and, and then, of course, the funny thing is, a lot of times then what happens is you relax because you've taken that pressure off yourself. Yes. And so it goes even better. That is what I was going to mention, that all of a sudden you go from that dire desperation to taking off a little bit of that energy. Mm-hmm. So giving yourself time to catch up and continue working the job in front of you. And mm-hmm. yes, you might have to come back home late at night and do job applications mm-hmm. if you feel unsure about it. But remember, you're moving forward and you have to keep on moving forward and don't just stand in one place thinking that the job will hit you in the head. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. Right, right. So you know, we're, we're talking about your book, Cash and Karma, Going from Jobless to Abundance. And you know, we've been talking about kind of the mental mindset and spirituality and, and things like that. And those are, of course, very important. But you also have really great practical tips in your book, um, you know, and, and, and things that in, in many cases people don't even stop to think of, but they are great practical tips or we, or we kind of assume, oh, well, I know how to do a resume or I know how to do an interview. And then when you really think about it, it's like, oh, maybe I don't. So, you know, one of the first things, and, and this was what struck me when I was reading your book, because I do training for people in the, you know, who are looking for jobs. And, and typically I'm focusing on the social media perspective, but I tell them that the product that they are selling is themselves. And so they really have to think about how are they marketing themselves? And you've got several great tips about that. So why is that so important that, that we're thinking of ourselves as a product? Well, putting aside our names and just who we are, if 
a company out there is hiring a CEO, I'm sure there are many qualified men and women out there who could do the job. So anybody could work that job if they have the past experience. But why that particular person? Why mm -hmm. do we want a particular individual and we're going to be picky about them? What is their physical presentation? It doesn't have to do with you have to look like a supermodel, but do you know how to dress? Do you know how to exude that sense of... Um, do you have that ability to communicate that knowledge and mm -hmm. that ability to keep people around you? Do you have the charisma? Could right. you, do you believe in yourself? Because if you mm -hmm. don't believe in yourself, how are you going to be able to lead an organization? How right. are you going to be a better manager? And mm -hmm. not all managers are leaders and not all leaders are managers, but you need to have that. Do you play the role well? It says mm -hmm. hiring for a character in a story. And this time you get paid to be you and mm -hmm. how good are you at communicating your uh, expertise? How do you get along with people? Do you have a sense of humor? These are very high pressure uh, positions. And sometimes these roles get a very nasty stereotype that, mm -hmm. oh, these type of corporate people, they're so obnoxious. I don't like to work in those type of uh, offices or for those type of people. Mm -hmm. And it goes in every different uh, aspect of it. So whether you're a receptionist, take pride in it. Um, I'm sure you have a beautiful demeanor. It doesn't matter if you're a man or woman applying for that job. Do you have the people skills? Do you have a pleasant voice that people mm -hmm. want to be greeted by when they call? Do you know how to work the technical phone systems from the small technical details to who you are people mm -hmm. want to care because right now we're living in times where it's a service driven society so mm -hmm. we have to work with people and in order to keep people around and have them coming back to do business i want i want to like you and that liking people and building relationships will get you far so it's mm -hmm. not only about uh, we just need a person with these credentials because a robot could probably do the same job. Right. We don't want somebody high and dry. We want someone who exudes that they want to be there. They're mm -hmm. passionate about it because if they're not passionate about it, they might just stick around for a short time, take the money and run. And it's always going to be a catch-22 because companies want to decrease those type of circumstances. But at the same time, these type of people make employers to be more honest because mm -hmm. employers still need people with skill sets. Mm -hmm. You might get um, a person with the credentials, but they don't have the ideal persona to be in a right. client-facing role. And then mm -hmm. there are some people who are really great. Uh, they're people... Uh, I was going to say they're great at sales and they might not have all of the credentials, but they know how mm -hmm. to make money. So there's no set formula right. for success. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think one of the hardest things is to sit down and maybe take inventory of yourself, of your own skills, you know, especially before you're getting ready to go in, you know, for job interviews and things. What, how do you speak? You know, do you have a heavy accent? Um, you know, do you need to practice your grammar? What's your posture like? You know, I uh, when I was in Colorado, I taught cl uh, classes at Metro State University. And one of the things that I did was I made them do, you know, sample job interviews. And it was always very entertaining to watch how they would come and just sit in the chair. You know, <laughs> and, and I told them, I said, I don't ever want your back to touch the back of the chair. And, and I said, and that right there will force you to sit very differently than you normally would. Yes. You know, and, and, you know, and, and to, one of the tricky things was, of course, if you were in a chair that moved, either had wheels or rocked, because you get a little bit nervous and you start to move, you know, and, and so we would make them sit in chairs like that. And, and we did mock interviews and, and all those things. And, you know, and there were people that just did not do mock interviews well. Um, I had one young woman who... A student. I mean, she had it going. But if you, when we put her in that mock interview situation, it was, we did teams. She had to work with her team. So this was, you know, she was comfortable with them, but then they had to get up in front of the class and do the mock interview. And she got partway through and she turned around and she looked at me and she said, I need to start over. And I said, no, because just like a regular interview, it's a fixed period of time. So let's just go forward. And, you know, so she answered a couple more questions and then she said, 
I'm so nervous I'm going to throw up. And I thought, oh, goody. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and I said, okay, you're going to take some deep breaths, you know, calm down. You know, this is, you know, we're, we're, we're very supportive here. And, but she had worked herself into such a frenzy. Now, fortunately, she didn't throw up. Um, but I met with her after class and I said, you know, you might want to think about doing some things like Toastmasters so that you were, and the funny thing, she wanted to be a, a public relations person. I said, sweetie, you got to get over not being able to speak. Um, but, you know, so she did. She went to Toastmasters. She got more comfortable with being herself and, and presenting that. Now, was she going to be perfect at it? No, you know, none of us are. But it, she recognized that she needed help with it. And so that was, was something that, that was, you know, very beneficial. And, but it, you know, it is really hard because we like to think, well, I'm going to sit there. I'm not going to fidget. I'm going to, you know, I, I don't have body odor. I don't chew my gum funny, you know, all of those things. And so sometimes you can't do it yourself. You have to go through those mock type of, of situations. Yes, and there are also things where you could be a great job candidate, you have the presentation, the speech, you're prepared for your interview, but now and then there's always going to be that curveball that comes your way and you have no control over. Right. Uh, I've been in situations uh, from experience because when I was writing the book, I had to relive some of my past mm -hmm. and to share with the world that I'm not immune from it because we all, regardless of what we do, in some shape or form, have to interview for opportunities. Right. I recall one situation where I was all ready for the interview <laughs> and I was relaxed. I go in, but the interviewer had the most horrible attitude. So oh I don't know what was going on with them, but they did not make the circumstances easy. In that mm -hmm. moment, before the interview even began, from what I had seen from the time I was greeted at the front door to being walked uh, into the conference room, I told myself, no matter what happens or how much money they throw at me, if I'm granted this job, I am going to turn it down. Right. You so, just had a bad first yes. impression. And the thing is, interviews mean it, it's a two-way street, everyone mm -hmm. out there. You're not at the mercy of the employer. And I want people to remember that you have the choice of taking the job if you're granted or turning it mm -hmm. down. Because usually when I hear people talk about it, even adults or young ones, they talk about it as they're at the mercy of the employer mm -hmm. or the interviewer. It's a two-way street. Sometimes you're going to see things during that mm -hmm. interview that might trigger you subconsciously saying, I don't know if this feels right. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and there are people who will deliberately throw things at you yes. in a negative way. You know, they'll start late. They'll they'll chew gum. They'll, you know, look at their cell phone, all these various things, because they want to see how you handle it. Yes, and I've had that happen. I, I, I could recall at least four or five situations where I walked into a, a business meeting and uh, they said, we're running late. And I said, no problem. I'll be in the lobby. And I was completely fine because I planned accordingly. I just had mm -hmm. a feeling that they're going to play games. Mm -hmm. And then they resumed. And I've also had a circumstance where the meeting was rescheduled three times and I was perfectly fine. But then mm -hmm. the fourth time when they wanted to meet with me, I said, I have to resume with my uh, schedule, but thank you for right. inviting me. But if you do choose to continue these meetings, please reach out. Mm -hmm. And I left the ball in their park because it's okay to test a candidate, but you don't want mm -hmm. to get to a point where you're playing games or being played because right. it's a preview of what life will be like if you end up doing business with them. Mm-hmm. You know, and... And it is something, you know, they're human too. Yes. So, you know, it, it easily could be that they were having a bad day or, or all of those things. But I truly believe in, in going with your gut instinct. Um, you know, if you feel that there is something going on, believe that. You know, um, one of the, the worst interviews I ever had, it was with a company that uh, this was uh, oh, probably 25 years ago. And it was doing corporate communications for a nonprofit that did a lot of AIDS awareness. And at that point in time, that was that was a pretty risky type of, of job. So first of all, they really wouldn't they they wouldn't give me directions on how to get there. It was the weirdest thing in the world, and this was long before GPS and Siri and all of those things. So I got lost. You know that was and and all I needed them to do was tell me what the building looked like. I mean it was just strange, and and so that gave me a bad feeling. I was like, oh, this is weird. 
But then when I got in, my interview turned out to be a panel interview. And there were eight people who just fired question after question after question at me. And I answered, you know, I, I thought I did well in answering them, you know, but at the same point, I thought this is not, uh, I don't like this. You know, this, this is not something that is making me comfortable, making me want to be here. And I knew that that was just going to be how that company functioned, how that, you know, and, and so, you know, when they said, we'd like to bring you back, I said, thank you very much, but no, thank you. Um, you know, and, and, and they asked why, and I said, it's, be, you know, and, and so I went through the, the, you know, I told them, I said, this was, I said, other people might like this. Other people might, might think that was fine. I said, but I didn't appreciate it. You know, and, and so my, my first instinct was don't be there. And, and I went with that. I'm glad you followed it because I've learned along my journey when I smell something off, I've learned mm -hmm. that it's better not to explore it more. And the most powerful words that you shared are no thank you mm -hmm. because you can turn down an opportunity in a very respectful manner right. for whatever reason it is. Mm -hmm. And I've done it in my past. And typically when I've done it, people question, why did you turn it down? Because mm -hmm. sometimes people have that attitude of this person needs us more than we need them. Right. So we're going to jump through all the hoops, but still maintain our own uh, self-respect mm -hmm. in the process. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and it was funny because they did. They asked me, you know, why I was turning it down. And when I told them about the, the whole thing with me getting lost and having trouble getting directions... They had no idea that the person, so I was dealing with, you know, a front desk person, you know, along those, they had no idea that that was what that person was doing. Um, you know, and, and I certainly wasn't wanting to get them in trouble, but, but I did, I, I said, you know, I, I didn't know what building you were in and that person refused to tell me it was the brick building on the corner, you know, and, and I said, now I understand safety and security and, and things like that. And especially with that organization, I said, but I had an interview. I needed to know what building to go into. Completely understandable. Mm -hmm. I had an incident happen. This was over a decade ago. It was for a private, uh, let me just put it gently, it was in the financial investment mm -hmm. uh, industry. Mm -hmm. And they would not release the name of the firm. Oh. And when I showed up for the interview, it was through a job agent. Uh, mm -hmm. The person interviewing me did not take it well. They said, well, did you check out our website? I said, I asked for the website, but for some reason, it was not disclosed to me. And mm -hmm. what was shared with me, a blank website shows up. And I swear to God, it was a blank website because oh, no. they really wanted to end the interview immediately. So they started asking me questions about their mission statements. And mm -hmm. I said, with all due respect, there's nothing on that website. You didn't give me anything. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I and at that moment in time, I felt I had nothing to lose. And in five minutes, mm -hmm. I said, thank you for inviting me. But mm -hmm. I went out of my way to learn about your organization. Mm -hmm. And the point of contact was not being cooperative mm -hmm. in sharing anything that could help me have this conversation with you. You're asking me mm -hmm. questions knowing that I don't have the answers. Right. And I respectfully bowed out, but I maintained my decorum because I was mm -hmm. there on behalf of a third party. Right. And uh, you never you never know. It's not only about things will go wrong and it's okay, mm -hmm. but it's how you handle it that matters. Right. right. Well, and you mentioned bowing out gracefully. You never know when you might interview for a different position, even with a different company, and there's one of those people there again. Yes. You know, and, and so, you know, don't burn any of those bridges. Absolutely. Uh, I've had great interviews and then there are some where I was so smooth. I knew that I did not get the job opportunity because mm -hmm. I was interviewing uh, at such a high rate in a short period of time that you become so refined that you realize, okay, now mm -hmm. I'm not sounding human. I just right. sound as I've been around the block too many times. Mm -hmm. yeah, you, were, you were just spitting back those speaking points. Yes. So there's always going to be that ebb and that flow, but go out and bat. You're not going to know mm -hmm. how you're going to do until you put yourself out there. You could sit at your desk and plan all you want about new job opportunities, but planning is not the same thing as action and execution. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, there will be, as we've been saying, things that come along that you go, hmm, no, not so much. But again, if you're not at least trying, nothing's going to happen. 
Yes, and job hunting and and manifesting any personal goal, it's for it's not for the ill-hearted. You have to have a strong heart and a strong mind. And the only mm-hmm. way you build that strong mind and heart is through practice every day. Mm-hmm. You don't wake up one day and you say, "Okay, I'm completely healed and ready for my new opportunity." Mm-hmm. It's a process. Right. Well, and one of the things that you talk about in your book is how to deal with rejection. You know, very rarely do you go to job interview A, the only one you're doing, and you get it. Poof! Yeah. <laughs> Most of the time it is trial and error. And, you know, sometimes you've, you know, as we've said, you've gone through multiple ones, all these things. And, and so you're going to be rejected. How do you deal with that in a way that allows you to continue going forward? I will admit for most of my 20s, I viewed rejection, not personally, but I viewed it as, okay, what did I not do right? And maybe okay. there are times when, as job candidates, we don't do something right or we overlook it because we have limited uh, experiences. Because sometimes there are people who get their first job, stay there for 10 years, and then they get a whiff of reality down the road when they go back mm-hmm. in the job market. And then there are some people like me who has been fortunate of navigating through different opportunities or simultaneously working jobs. Uh, rejection is a blessing in disguise in my life, whether mm-hmm. it came from people, job opportunities, because imagine if you got what you wanted the first time around, you might still I be know. anchored down. Mm-hmm. You, it might have probably hindered my growth. I wouldn't uh, be uh, well, I wouldn't be talking to you th- to this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, there would be many factors that would have changed my path. If you get everything that you want the first time around, we think we want it, we need it. But sometimes mm-hmm. what we need is not what we want. And what we want right. may not be good for us five mm-hmm. years down the road. So to view rejection as, a, as the universe's way of narrowing down where you need to be. Mm-hmm. From, you know, as somebody who has done hiring and, and things like that and through your experience, do you think it's acceptable, in, in obviously not in, in every case, but if, say, you're told, we're sorry, Sasha, this, you know, we've just gone with another candidate, you know, basically something as simple as that, is it okay to go back to them and say, obviously you want to say thank you very much, um, you know, and, and, but is it okay to say, can you tell me? why you selected someone else or, you know, and because I always find it interesting when I have interviewed people, the ones that have come back to me and have said, what could I do different? I like that much better than the ones that go away and I never hear from them again. But it's, it's a scary thing because I mean, I, when I'm rejected, I mean, you don't want to go back and say, what did I do wrong? How do you, how do you do that? I think it, it depends on the circumstance. If the person that was interviewing you and you had the right chemistry and they were approachable even through email when you send out a thank you note mm-hmm. or whether you interview through a job agent, because I think with a job mm-hmm. agent, it's more easier to say, well, what did the other candidate have? Right. Now, mm-hmm. I could only speak for myself from my experiences in the past that either I was overqualified or they wanted somebody who they could afford within their budget or they wanted mm-hmm. someone to start right. immediately. Right. So things that are out of your control. Yes. And life is going to be, out, I mean, we could only control maybe 10% of our life. So mm-hmm. we, the best we could do is continue moving, but understand mm-hmm. that it's not always going to be you, the job candidate, who's the problem. Um, there are many economic and social variables that come into mm-hmm. play. And you're going to keep on moving forward till you have the right option to say yes or no to. Mm-hmm. It, even down the road, it, no matter how badly you need that job, when you get that job, you still have the power to say no. Mm-hmm. Right. And and that happens. I mean, you know, you get that offer and you think, uh, maybe not so much. Um, you know, and, and I mean, there's, you know, obviously, and, and we've kind of talked, there are times where you have to take it just no matter what. But there are also times where you get there and, you know, sometimes it is a matter of they didn't offer the money that you wanted or the benefits that you wanted or, or all of these things. That's where it comes in handy to be able to negotiate. And, and you cover that in your book also. Yes, a negotiation. Sometimes people complain about money, but they overlook the fact that 
you do have the power to negotiate. What is the worst that they could that could happen? You might get an, a flat out no, or you might mm-hmm. get uh, well, we will have to think about it. It might take mm-hmm. time for them to reconsider or just mm-hmm. take into consideration before they give you that no. Or you could uh, make a deal where you'll take a minor pay cut, but they'll reconsider mm-hmm. you after doing 90 days. Not right. every company has 90 days probation, but a little bit as a try before you buy type of deal. Mm-hmm. Or you can come up with some form of negotiation where they would be open to saying, okay, well, we really want you. We can't afford you. So let's see what we could work out and right. get it in writing because mm-hmm. I've had circumstances that have uh, did not, that fell through because a verbal agreement could only be as effective right. as the person who's working there. If they leave, mm-hmm. you have nothing to go based right. off of. And also people like to have short-term memories when it comes to money mm-hmm. because they'd rather have more money in their pocket than share it with the new people. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, this all different types of dynamics, but more men tend to negotiate their packages than women. And mm-hmm. I encourage women out there to speak up. There's nothing wrong with it to negotiate their numbers because sometimes the most powerful position you're in is when you're given that job offer and you want to maneuver the numbers and get a bit more pay. Because what if you start working, you sign a job offer and things start happening there and then they can't give anybody raises. You might be in that fixed holding pattern for an indefinite amount Mm -hmm. of time. Right. Well, and there's other things that you you can also be negotiating besides just pay, you know, working from home, leaving yes. early, you know, all of those various things. Now, you know, we're not saying come out of left field with those, you know, <laughs> it, it could be something that you did discuss in the interview, you know, and, and so you can say, you know, when I was talking with Mr. Mr. Smith, he mentioned that some employees work from home on Fridays. I would like to be one of those employees. You know, what do we need to do? You know, so there's, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things, but you do have to be prepared. What if they say no? You know, is it a deal breaker? Well, if it is, then you politely tell them thank you and no thank you. And, and I tell you what, if they want you bad enough, they'll come back. And now they might counter your offer, but, you know, it's, it's something to, to, you know, really think about being flexible on, but don't get stepped on. Yes. During the negotiation phase, remember, you're still not an employee. So to right. conduct yourself as you are a guest in their home, so not to go in and say, well, this is these are all the things I want. It's not exactly what you're asking, but how you present it right. in a more friendly, negotiable manner. Mm-hmm. The worst is that they could think about it or you may get a no, but it doesn't mean that they might not warm up to the idea. If they really want mm-hmm. you, as in life, if there's an opportunity that really needs you, whether it's a relationship or a job or somebody's selling something and you're the chosen buyer, they will make it work. Mm-hmm. So to right. be positive through the entire negotiation stage, it might just take a matter of an hour. It might be a few days you might have to wait on. But remember to speak up because the worst mm-hmm. feeling is when you look back I should have spoken up, but I didn't. Right, right. You know, and, and one of the other things to watch for when you're negotiating is to not be desperate. Um, you know, we've 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 talked about you know you might have to you might have to take that job, but you can still negotiate. You know, and 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 so be positive, have that self-esteem. You know, know that they want you. I mean, that's the key. They want you. And, you know, and, and so, you know, don't fall into the I'm desperate to be able to do this trap because when they know you're desperate, they know that they don't have to give in, you know, and, and so it's, it is one of those things to really watch. Yes. Uh, I cannot recall the name of this male businessman, who, but he's very well known. And he said something along the lines of as long as somebody else or something else has what you need they will be able to control you. So you don't want to come off desperate. Mm -hmm. And I will say from my experiences, the best deals that I was able to sign off on was where I was comfortable and I didn't have that desperation or that anxiety. I looked at it as if it works out great, if not, my life will go on. Not Mm -hmm. coming from a place of ego, but a place of perspective because I've been in those desperate situations when I started out. 
And I will say that sometimes you're not thinking straight and you're going to end up making a deal that will hurt you at the end. Mm -hmm. And then you're back in the job market looking for a new job while you are working full time. And I want people to make their journey a little bit more easier because sometimes Mm -hmm. we're so into our goals that we don't realize that we're creating more hurdles than melting them away. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's, you've, you've got tips about that in your book and, and you know, lots of, of great information. And, you know, we, we've talked about the fact that it's for job seekers, but it is for anybody. I mean, you know, it talks about being self-confident, about knowing what your goals are, knowing why you're doing something. And so I think it is a good read for anybody. Yes, and also for entrepreneurs, not all of them are going to go out hiring, but even when right. you outsource stuff, what type of talent are you looking for? Uh, How do you build relationships? Networking to some degree is important. And networking doesn't mean that you're going to go out and make connections and what do I get out of it or what do they want from me? We have to abandon that mindset of a win-loss situation. But you never know. One person can connect you to another. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the best feelings is that uh, the acquaintance that you met months ago, they might think of you in a positive light and say, actually, I have someone to introduce you to mm-hmm. and that's how we grow as people and not to stop growing because in the when people are working for third-party employers, they usually get a little bit too comfortable that they mm-hmm. stop part of their professional and self-development. That is not true for everybody, but mm-hmm. people don't hit the ground running until there's a need or that desperation as, okay, there's right. a layoff taking place. I need to find me a new job. And mm-hmm. then they start hustling that don't wait till things fall apart mm-hmm. to take action. Maintain that control throughout your routine, throughout mm-hmm. your journey. Right. You know, and, and maybe that is that you're very active on LinkedIn and you've got lots of connections there and, you know, and, and, you know, or, or, you know, my big thing is that you always are being professional on social media. You know, don't be the person posting something horrible and awful on Facebook and then think, oh gosh, now I have to get a job and everybody saw me posting all of that stuff. Just don't do it to start with. Um, you know, so kind of all, like you said, always be in that mindset. Yes, and it's not only about what other people think, but be presentable in ways because you're not going to backtrack your social media for 10 years and say, did I post that questionable Mm -hmm. picture that shouldn't be out there? Because companies, when you work for a third party, you are a representation of their brand, their reputation, Mm -hmm. and they don't want scandals breaking out because life and work is hard enough. They don't Mm -hmm. have time to babysit people. So if you don't know how to conduct yourself on your own time, that says a lot and that tells them a lot about Mm -hmm. how you will be at work. Are you going to be on Facebook 24-7 posting stuff from work? Because I've seen a case play out where there was an employee who used the company's technology at their office site to conduct Mm -hmm. transactions that were illegal Oh dear. And engaged in social media and it was all self-incriminating evidence and then it turned out to be a felony. No company right. wants to get dragged into other people's mess. No, no. Well, and on that same thing, it was funny. I had somebody who uh, at one of my job seminars, they were asking me about right to privacy on social media. And, and I said, you know, I said, I'll be honest, it depends Um, I said, now I said where it gets very sticky is say you're on Facebook on your company computer. I said, then you have no expectation of privacy. You're using their computer to access Facebook. They have every right to look at it. Um, and they were just, they, they really, I said, "Mm -hmm." yes, you know, you're using their toy, you know, same with, with, you know, textas, textas, texts. If you're, you know, if you're texting from a company phone, they have every right to look at that. So, you know, keep those things in mind. I don't know why people think that text messages, conversations, none of that can be pulled up. I know for for a fact because I worked in industries where that deals with security and all of that nature. All of that can be pulled up. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if it's on your personal laptop that you brought to work and you committed some act on your laptop Mm -hmm. from your workplace or a company paid technologies in order to ensure you get your job done. Whether Mm -hmm. you're working out of the office, you're working remote, I know for a fact that they have 
100% right to go into all of that. And they don't even right. need your permission. So I don't know why people, at times I feel when we're given all of these freedoms, sometimes mm-hmm. people push the envelope just to prove a point that mm-hmm. I have the right to privacy. Yes, you have the right to, to privacy in your own home. Hopefully you're not using the company's technologies. Mm-hmm. But all of that can be unraveled and they don't need to ask you. And I feel that people need to apply common sense. And maybe Mm -hmm. it sounds as it's one of my pet peeves, but I wish more people were more aware of that. Right. Just because you're at work. Common sense. Yes. And Mm -hmm. I know for a fact that all of that could be unraveled and they have uh, access to it. So why do it at a time and place when you could wait to get home and do it on your own Mm -hmm. device? Right, right. Well, holy cow, Sasha, we could go on forever. And, you know, and, and, and so that just means we have to have you on again, because this this is so informative and, and so great. So we will definitely get you scheduled again. But how do people between now and then, how do people find and connect with you online? Yes, uh, people are welcome to go to SashaTalks.com and you will have access to the blog, the media, some of my speaking engagements, and that will also take you to other forms of social media. And if you really would like to consider me talking about or you have questions about the nature of the content that Deb and I talked about, you could write to Booker at SashaTalks.com. Perfect, perfect. Well, I have been having an absolutely fabulous time talking with Sasha Lago. And for everyone out there, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.